Today we come to Luke chapter 7. And uh, having read this chapter, we see Jesus healing the sick, raising the dead, forgiving sins, and assuring John the Baptist and his disciples that he is, in fact, the Messiah prophesied to come. There's a lot we could talk about here, but I want to draw our attention to just a couple of ideas found here. One is Jesus' healing and life-giving word, his, his healing and life-giving word. The first two stories in this chapter seem to emphasize and highlight the power of Jesus' word. In the first instance, he heals a centurion's servant, presumably by a single or a simple word. Compare, for example, verses 7, 9, and 10. In the second instance, he actually raises a widow's son from the dead by a commanding word. Verse 14. What should we learn from this? For one thing, it should teach us something about the power of the Lord Jesus. This has certainly been a stated emphasis in the past two chapters, and it continues here. In Luke five seventeen. we read of Jesus that, quote, the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Then in the next chapter, uh, in chapter 6, Luke uh, says in verse 19 that all the crowd sought to touch him for power came from him and healed them all. And here, that power is put on display in a notable way, even with his word. In previous chapters, we've seen Jesus perform other healings, but often in a different fashion than we see here in Luke chapter 7. For example, back in chapter 4, we're told that, quote, all those who had, uh, who, who had any or, uh, illness or who were sick with various diseases, they brought him to him and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them, Luke 4.40. But here, by contrast, Jesus heals the centurion's servant and raises the widow's son not by laying hands on them, but rather merely by a spoken word. The centurion knows and recognizes the holiness of the Lord and doesn't feel worthy to have Jesus come into his house as a result, verse 6. He knows Jesus has the power to heal, but feels unworthy to have Jesus under his roof to lay hands on his servant. So what does he do? He tells Jesus to simply say the word, verse 7, and let my servant be healed. While it never overtly says so, we presume this is what Jesus did because all it says is that Jesus marveled at the man's faith, verse 9, and when the others returned to the house, implying that Jesus never actually went to the house, they found the servant well, in verse 10. Jesus spoke and she was well. This emphasis continues in the next episode in which Jesus raises a widow's only son who had died. And we're told... Um, that Jesus touched the coffin, really uh, just a, a wooden plank used to carry the body out to bury. Um, was the man raised when Jesus touched the coffin? No. How did he raise him? Jesus says, Young man, I say to you, arise. These particular healings illustrate that Jesus is not merely powerful, but he is divinely powerful. It reminds us that it is God who created heaven and earth by merely saying, let there be, and there was. The psalmist reflects on the creation account and says in Psalm 33, 6, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their hosts. Only God speaks in such a way that worlds are formed and life is created. Jesus likewise, God himself in human flesh, demonstrates 
that divine ability here as he speaks in such a way that life is given and sickness is banished. The second thing I want to think about in this is an interesting phrase in verse 29, and it says that they justified God. (laughs) They justified God. Uh, In verse 29, we're told that when the people heard Jesus talking about John the Baptist, they declared God just. Literally, they justified God. This is interesting because this is exactly what we're told elsewhere that God, what God does to us. <laughs> Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So God justifies us. What then does it mean in Luke 7.29 when the people justify God? Well, to understand this, it, help, it helps to be clear on what justification means. Some people believe that when God justifies us, he makes us holy. But Luke 7.29 helps us to understand that's not actually what justification is. When the people justified God, did they make God holy? Absolutely not. God is holy. And we can't add anything to his holiness. So what does it mean? When it says they justified God, it simply means they were declaring, declaring what was already true about God. That is, that he is holy and just. They didn't make him holy and just. They simply recognized and declared that he is holy and just. And if that is what it means when we justify God, then that is a good indicator of what it means when when God justifies us. But that immediately raises an objection. We're not already holy like God is holy and just like God is just. They declared God just, that is, they justified him, because that's what he is, holy and just. Well, how can God declare us just or justify us when we're not holy and just? See Romans 3.23, for all who sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Well, Paul answers that question in Romans 3.23 through 26. There he says that God put forth his son, Jesus, to be a propitiation by his blood. That's the word he uses, a propitiation by his blood for us. That is, He put forth Jesus to serve our sentence, to pour out his wrathful punishment against our sins on him, verses 24 and 25 of Romans 3. Why? Because it says in verse 26, so that God can now be both just and justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus, our sin bearer. Without Jesus paying our sin debt, if God justified us, in other words, if he declared us just, when in fact we are not righteous but sinners, then God would not be just in declaring us to be what in fact we are not. But now, with Jesus paying our sin debt, God can justify us or declare us to be just and be just himself at the same time because our sin has been laid on Jesus and paid in full. God justifies us, that is, declares us to be just and righteous in his sight, not because we have been righteous, but because Jesus has been righteous in our place and has clothed us in his righteousness. When we put our faith and hope in Jesus to be our Savior, then when God looks on us, he sees not our sin, but he sees Jesus' righteousness. And therefore, because of the perfect obedience and righteousness of Jesus, And because of the death that he died in our place for our sins, God can justly look at us 
and justify us. They justified God because God is righteous. God justifies us because Jesus is righteous. That's a beautiful truth of the gospel here in Luke chapter 7.